Welcome to this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. Our first exercise here in the Eccentric Minute is the K-Box Squat. This is the granddaddy of all of them, guys. One that we use at all levels of our training with a vast array of athletes. A couple big tips. I like to use a, something for our hands to support it. Make sure that strap is completely taut at the top. Don't leave it short. Don't leave it long. What I really like the most about it, guys, the iso-inertial wheel, we're going to use this with other squats as well. The other squats are working to depth. These, we're going to get to an athletic position and work our way up. Push hard and make sure you're fighting to hit that breaking force. As we cut reps, we usually cut depth as well to make it a little bit more transferable to what we do. This is an awesome exercise that I can't recommend enough. Throw it in your training. It's going to be great for you and your athlete. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. Being a strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge, better methods, and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James the Thinker Smith, and Kirwenham Flat? Well, you can find multiple lectures from each of these top-level coaches and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well, all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is going to bring you well over 100 different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today we are going to talk about some positives coming away from this work-at-home situation with Adam Ringler. We are going to sit down and start discussing right away the role of continuing education, connecting with coaches and athletes, and the unique challenges of having to work from home and how all of these are going to impact us positively going forward in the coaching profession. Then he's going to run down the rabbit hole of return to play and, and really a project he's been working on and how that's going to impact his view of the entire process now in returning to sport in multiple levels for the athletes we get to work with. Then he's going to dive into, you know, where facts and opinion kind of fit together and the discussions that we need to have with athletes and coaches and how important it is to work the subjective and the objective together to make the best possible decision we can for the athlete. This is really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Let's get right to it. So how are you doing? How are you holding up? I am well, man. I'm well. Um, you know, like trying to find a good injunction point to jump into this conversation. But, you know, like I think a couple months ago we recorded a, uh, an, uh, outside the rack mm -hmm. episode and talked a little bit about some of the things that we were doing and advice. And, you know, I think the, the, the last question resonated with me as far as, uh, some, uh, work that we were doing that I was particularly, uh, interested in. And I think I, I shared that I was just like, oh, man, I'm like, you know, I can't wait for the time where we get to uh, kick our feet up and relax and chill. And now it seems like that's uh, that's what we were given, right? We have this time now where we can actually hang out and, and relax and refresh a little bit. So, you know, uh, 
I'm, I'm well, man. I'm well. How about yourself? Doing pretty well, man. So taking this time with the reflection and the refreshing, what are some things that are going through your head? What are you, because you're not going to sit there and just be like, and just sit and wait. Like something's going to hit you and you're going to be like, okay, the wheels are turning quick here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, there's a couple of different things. Like I think, uh, you know, you've, you've hosted uh, plenty of these guys at this point. Uh, that's, I've jumped on and just listened and learned a lot from. And, and I think, you know, I think we're all grasping at ways of trying to engage with our athletes, trying to find ways of connecting with them. You know, I think NCAA came out or at least um, Power Five and Pac-12 conference came out with some, some stipulations yesterday and some, some guidelines of, of what we're permitted to do. And I think we're all just sort of now trying to figure out like, well, how can we continue to a prepare these guys for whenever their inevitable return will be, but B what can we do to, you know, keep engaged with them to keep in conversations with them within what's permitted by the NCAA. And so I, <laughs> I think we're all sort of just grasping at continuing to try to, enrich what we do with these guys so you know a lot of what i've been up to the last couple days i suppose is just you know engaging in conversations and, and continuing to chat and continuing to produce materials for our student athletes the ones i'm you know privileged to work with and then also like you know this is a great time to just sort of think and reflect about what went well what didn't go well what we can try to improve on you know, a lot of us is, I think, working behind the scenes as far as like all the great things that we, we talk about, like wanting to do, like the projects, oh man, you know, like this would be great if we could, you know, standardize recovery protocols or standardize, you know, a return to play or at least get outlines, a skeletal frame of some of these things. And now, you know, like those things somewhat get pushed to the side when you're on the floor coaching all the time or at practice or traveling or whatnot. So like, this is such a, a good opportunity, I think, to, to actually leverage the time that we have to actually sit down and do it. I think the challenge for us then just becomes carving out time within a, you know, a chaotic, uh, you know, work from home type situation to be able to uh, find some quiet time to do it. Yeah, I think that one thing that I've learned the most right now is that working from home, like there's, yes. there's each, there's different groups of people that are gonna have different challenges, right? Like. Yeah, you being able to sit down and crunch numbers and outline things, I'm sure gets interrupted. You know, yeah. whereas yeah. like me being here, just me and the dog, like there's days where I've sat here and I've looked up after one of these calls with like calls with the kids and putting programs in the computer and like videos for Coach Plus and figuring out what we're doing next and look up and I'm like, it's 730 and I haven't eaten lunch yet. Yeah, and I'm just like, all right this is going to get old, but I think that one thing that you brought up, you know, you brought up what worked and what, what was good and what wasn't. Of course, I want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I think the outlining and development of return to play protocols right now, I think is something that can be really, A, could be a great project and B can be something that like, we all bitch about that, bro. Like everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, well, they just went from two minutes of practice to 40 minutes in a game. Like, yeah. No, it's like, how are we going to be able to better modify, monitor, and implement things so that we can move forward? Yeah, no doubt. I think, 
you know, and that's even if it's just a skeletal frame, right? Like a, an outline or recommendations it gives us a good launching off point to have conversations with our ATs to be able to sit down with sport coaches and be like, this is the skeletal frame that we're going to operate. It's not going to be time time based, but it's going to be criteria based. And these are the marks that we're looking for. These are the both the objective and subjective markers that we want them to achieve before they progress to the next state. But then you start looking at like, you know, from a from a weight room, from a sports performance standpoint, like how can we extrapolate those almost like post-surgical criteria based return to plays to hamstring strains or soft tissues or shoulder strains, rotator cuffs. And you I mean, that's that's an exercise that you could go, you know, up the kinetic chain and, and try to develop some things just to, you know, work ahead a little bit if, you know, if we do have this time of of setting this up, if, you know, we have you know, tendopathies that we need to sort of, again, rehab back, like what are our protocols? And you might not need to follow that plan exactly, but at least gives you a, a, a frame to reference from, allow you enough deviations off of that plan to be able to make adjustments that's, you know, acute to, and unique to each athlete. Yeah, I love that because I think that especially developing like skeletal things, yeah. even like, I don't know if this is how I'm going to say it. Even like just specific plug and plays, mm -hmm. like pull this piece out, put that piece in as like kind of a pre-developed model with sports med, yeah. I think is going to end up saving us a lot of headaches in the future. I think something too, like, so all of us are working remotely, right? So we had a, a conversation with a, one of our athletic trainers yesterday that's, wanted to go back through all of the well-being questionnaires, right? And there's this anterior, posterior view of like muscular soreness and things that are tight, stiffness and, and soreness charts, right? Um, this is not like unique to one platform, right? Like Coach Me Plus has this, um, I'm sure like Ken Duck and, and a number of different AMS softwares have this, but like he was sort of looking at and he was like, well, I want to go back and look at all the soreness within the last, you know, seven, 14, 21, sort of 28 days and sort of individualize some rehab or prep programs for these guys. If they're constantly rating my hip flexors tight, my hips flexors sore, um, then, you know, like perhaps I can individualize some soft tissue work for them so that when they're at home, they can actually address and self-organize some of these tissues. So it's like, yeah, I, I think we could do that. We could extrapolate that to like, if you're t constantly having shin pain because you're in a jumping or decelerative type sport, then perhaps there's some things that we can do preparatory to help, you know, again, in this time period, like what are we doing to A, load the tissues or B, correct for some of the faulty mechanics or, uh, you know, unnecessary loading that these guys have or, you know. Yeah. And then on top of that, dude, what are we allowing them to do to deload the muscle a little bit? True. Yeah. Like you, you said this, I forget uh, who you had on when you were just talking about, and this, this is something that's resonated with me is like, if, if we get back from this thing and bodies are fresher and performing better, like what does that say about the model, the collegiate model that we have where there is no time, there is no deload of tissues, right? Like maybe, maybe this is an opportunity or a blessing in disguise where we're actually allowing bot, like we sometimes like nudge each other. Right. And we're like, Oh man, like, man, it's grind doesn't stop. Ball doesn't stop ever. Right. Like 
and it's maybe maybe this is maybe this is like a forced stop for us a little bit and actually maybe our athletes will come back a little bit fresher and some of the the chronic knee pain or tendonitis that people have throughout the course of the long season maybe that stuff will just again go away a little bit it, it, it does worry me a little bit when we start to come back and we're talking about I'm seeing things come out where it's like okay well you know we can do team meetings and and break down film and things but like boy there better be a plan working backwards from the date that they arrive or whatever date that we think if if coaches are going to be quick to want to make up the time loss from a practice standpoint right so like i'm just thinking about what are we doing extent like from an extensive loading you know plyometrics or you know again loading to make sure that these tendons and these muscles are prepared so that a i like i don't know when we're coming back i'm i'm presuming i got some ideas but like to work backwards from that date to make sure that we're preparing them for when they do arrive that we're not setting them up for you know catastrophic injuries mm -hmm. no no doubt and i think that eventually we're all going to have an answer to the when yeah. right and yeah. what's crazy is i think that there's going to be a lot that are different yeah you know i think there's going to be some that are like late june there may be some that are early july there may be some that aren't till august right and it's um it's then i guess looking at it in a multitude of ways like the the first thing that we probably should do if I were to guess is backtrack and yeah. basically start over because right now, I mean, I don't know how other people are doing this, but I'm just trying to fill buckets that we've never filled really, yeah. you know, like a lot of volume body weight stuff is not, it, it's the best we can do for the most part with a lot of these kids. Yeah. And, you know, even like conditioning stuff is just completely going to be, like the running will be different if they're yeah. they have a place they can do it right like i'm not gonna send yeah. a kid who lives in harlem and be like yeah you know let's go run some shuttles because that's probably not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you know let's just go measure a block out and just you know run back and forth as fast as you can I'm classic sure would love that what up andre um but yeah you know or like the guy who just hopped on is in finland like you know they're still cold and it's like how much am i gonna ask him to go outside and run you know but when we look at it, it'll be end out. It'll end up being like backing it up eight weeks and saying, yeah. all right, hopefully you've been with your group long enough to understand what the demands are that they're going to yeah. be asked yeah. to go through. So how can you prep them? Like, is it even something as simple as like doing some extensive work on grass and yeah. then finding a harder surface so that they can build up tissue resiliency slowly that way? like a simple like four week model where it's like going from grass to if they can get to field turf or a track or three weeks, three weeks and two weeks on the court, you know, like, I mean, I don't, I don't know the answer yeah. to that because that's a bridge I'm not ready to cross yet, but I think that that's a good point. Like understanding like when they come back that preparation time, we have to be ready for the coaches to want to go from zero to a hundred. Yeah. That's inevitably, inevitably going to happen. I think, you know, that's yes. a conversation that, you know, I don't think we'll win it. So 
we better be prepared to at least bridge the gap between where the athletes are and where the coaches want them to be, which will be a challenge, I think, for us. But, you know, I think this is also, too, like, I'd be curious and to turn this thing back around on you a little bit, just some of the programming uh, modifications that you've had to make. Because I've, like, initially when I sent out some of the, the, the packets or the uh, remote programs, right, like, it's very sort of one by 20-esque for me because, like, A, I don't know what they have access to. I have some people that live in a, you know, on the eight. 18th floor of an apartment building. I have some that have a, a farm ranch. I have some that have access to a, a small little weight room. I have some that don't. So it's like, how do you scale outside of individualizing things, which is fine. We got the time to do it. Yeah. But like, you know, your conventional five, three, one or intensity based or, you know, uh, you know, Olympic derivatives, you know, that's all that stuff. I think it's, it's kind of crazy that this is forcing not innovation but thinking forcing us to think about different strategies that you might not otherwise consider like i think you have i've heard on a couple of these lately like going back to having a more volume-based approach rather than intensity just because like we can add volume <laughs> that's easy yeah. to you know low intensity volumes because most of these guys won't have a access to a rack or dumbbells most of them will be body weight so like okay couple extra more sets or a couple extra more, you know, repetitions to each of one of these sets. How do you dose body weight programs out to be progressive uh, when you don't necessarily know some of the limitations of facilities or access or mm -hmm. equipment that they might have? So total, like, Kanger, I think that this is what I was thinking. I'm sure if Mark McLaughlin or Val heard me say what I'm about to say, they might <laughs> smack me. Um, but we basically tried to set it up so it was like a glycolytic day and then like a longer, like aerobic-y yeah. circuit day and then cardiac output work. So trying to yeah. follow kind of that similar, you spike the, you spike you know, the glycolytic work, and then you bring it down, and then you just build cardiac, you know, stuff that way. And then how we decided, or I decided to spike that was like Vern Gambetta's life circuit, mm -hmm. because instead of just adding reps or sets, you can intensify it by saying, beat your time. Mm -hmm. um, so then that's day one and day four. Day two is just like a bodyweight circuit that's just constant movement that's like similar to just – it's something that we used at Indiana State, and I posted it, just like normal calisthenics. Yeah. And then the third day was, again, like cardiac output work. But if you don't have a heart rate monitor, it's got to be easy conversation-paced yeah. on whatever you're using. Um, so then that evolved to – trying to have conversations with all the kids. Mm -hmm. And we now have a couple of different things going on. The first was they asked for more warm-up like things to guide them. So that's why I've been putting those flows out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and of course they asked for more just ab work, like crunches yeah. and stuff. So I'll start Classic. posting those routines too. So 
for that program, there's now three different warm-ups. There's just a get yourself moving for 10 minutes, a flow, and then an ab circuit. Um, for the running day, it's a flow and then a skip series because they're going to run. But it's nothing mm-hmm. crazy. It's just like forward, backward, straight ahead, crossover, open hip skips, um, and then some power skips. Now, we've had with the conversations – there's been some that were like, well, I can lift at home. Nice. So I'm like, okay, what do you have access to? So there's some that we've added just like arm farmy upper body stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because like I got a guy who's got a bow flex, right? Like, okay, well, I don't know about all the other stuff with that, but you can sort of bench and row and yeah, pull yeah. and that. Um, there have been some people that have enough dumbbells that we can do uh, Mike Thompson put together like a, a unilateral one by 20. Nice. So we've been able to do that and make some add and some tracks into that, you know, just some minor alterations. And then I've got some kids that are like, I just really needed to run and like not get fat. Yeah. yeah. And like for them, like, again, like a glycolytic day, um, a shorter, faster aerobic day. So either tempos or hill sprints. And then, like, the longer, slower distance stuff with, you know, different warm-ups and things built in. Um, it's been hard to build all this in the platform. Like, yeah. it's taken a long time. And it's, like, a lot of me having to find ways to film myself. Yeah. yeah which yeah. is always interesting. Um, especially when you watch yourself try to do something. And you're like, Wow. That was awful. Uh, <laughs> like, honest, honest feedback when you record it, and you're like, I, I don't want to post this. Yeah. Like, well, good. It's just got to be the angle. Like, I, I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? But it's, uh, no, like, it's like, wow, how am I going to demo this? But, um, you know, so then it's, it, that challenge has been fun, and now it's just going to keep building out and finding more ways and getting more feedback from them. And I think that that's like where a lot of these athlete management software companies are really like they've helped making me do this through coach me plus is helping me be able to make these modifications and these alterations throughout the entire group, because now it's not just like, okay, I talked to Adam, boom, 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 here in his Excel sheet, send it. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, like I'm talking to MT next week. So it's like, well, she said this, well, something totally different. It's like, well, wait a minute. Okay. So I was talking and we've got this set up and it's like, things are just written out. It's all in front of you. And you can now talk to the group individually and be like, yeah, that would help. But what about this? And it's so you can mm-hmm. build it all and plug it in together. And it's, it's helped not just team specific, but like cross teams too. Cause there's like things that, you know, we've done with, with basketball and swim. And the other thing that's been good is it like, it makes some of us on our staff, like ask like different questions too. Yeah. Um, and it makes you, when you're all using the same software, we use coach me plus coach. Yeah. Um, when you use that, you have to look at it and like, you're able to look at what everyone else does. So you, instead of being just kind of like the, the 15,000 foot overview of like, this is what coach X does. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, I'm actually looking at it and it's like, okay, 
I what, like how this what, is set up. I should steal this and move this into stuff with mine. When you said that it, it it's Coach Me Plus, and I'll, I'll use the umbrella of just like your athlete management software is fostering communication, collaboration across your staff because it's forcing questions of how did you set this up versus that up. What uh, what do you find right now in this remote? atmosphere that we're living in what do you find is allowing you guys to collaborate together as a staff still whether it's with your ats or with other snc coaches what's what's is it what medium i suppose oh like how are we connecting with each other yeah mostly text we're gonna yeah we're gonna meet like a zoom which by the way i would love to know who the guy is in zoom who scored every freaking college in the united states right like whoever that cat is like yo but first round's on you chief because <laughs> right, you're yeah. like swimming in it right now um but yeah like a lot of it is just and, and kind of what we've talked about as a staff is on top of like the collaborating and the questions and the open discussion with it is if you figured out something Right, Zoom stock up forty seven. Yeah, I love you, Cap. Um, but it's like when you figure out something, like tell us, mm-hmm. right? Like all of this is new for people. Like I've used it for the weigh-ins, weigh-outs, and track body weights, and we used it as a way to bring all of our monitoring stuff together and for questionnaires and this. But like I've never programmed with it, so yeah. now finding better ways to manipulate the program, modify the program, build the program and all that um, has been a driver for sure. You know, what's fascinating about that. And I think it, it just, if we were to digress a little bit from programming. Uh, so there's two books that I read recently. One is black box thinking, um, which was recommended by another coach from Michigan state. And then uh Upstream by Dan Heath, right? And both these guys talk about like really trying to take, identify bright spots in a program or in a uh, system and then making sure that we are communicating that across teams. And then the most recent book was trying to, uh, Upstream was talking about that rather than waiting for problems to come downstream and, and hit us like oh man like where where are all these injuries coming from like now we got to rehab these guys looking upstream to try to prevent some of these problems from occurring in the first place so they had a really interesting sort of system of asking like what errors or what failures have you made recently and they 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 sort of contrasted different industries in both of these books there there's a lot more parallels in these books than differences but like what errors are in these books and then actually communicating like problems like this is real familiar uh and uh common in like i guess in the airline industry when when like a real problem can have catastrophic you know lives lost but like that's been something that i've changed so we do a lot of like stand-up meetings like digital meetings where it's like you come in like we, we utilize Slack as a resource of keeping us connected and sharing materials rather than just always face-to-face. And weekly, we have this question of like, hey, like, what are you working on? How, how are things going within the projects that you're working on? Um, what are some blockers to that? Like, 
Are there things that somebody else on the team can help you out with? But what recent failures or mistakes have you made? And it's been really, yeah, GeekBot. Uh, I, I'm sure MT hates, hates geek, GeekBot. Uh, as as most everybody does, it seems like. But like, what's really interesting and in the idea of this was like, if we can be vulnerable in some respects and share what we're struggling with or what errors we make, that makes everybody else better because then they see like, oh, like I I I don't have to make that mistake now. I know mm -hmm. how I can get better. Like I can avoid that pitfall that you just walked in. Um, and I, I think it's just a powerful way of like reinforcing learning, not only like championing the successes that we have, but also identifying the personal failures that we have so that we can, again, help other coaches or other people on our staff fail or, you know, not, not have to repeat those failures that you've made. Mm -hmm. No doubt. I, I, I don't know where I went with that. I blacked no, out, but. Uh, but yeah, because on, on top of that too, right? Like not just as a preventative measure, but like you actually can find the answer too, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like maybe the problem is that you don't know the answer and like you yeah. keep doing the, you know, like I joke with kids all the time when I'm like, that didn't look great. Like, how are you doing? It's like, oh, well, such and such hurts. Like, but you kept doing it. And they're like, yeah. yeah. And I turn around and I walk. And I'm like, oh, wall, wall. Yeah, right. Like eventually you got to figure out to walk through the door, right? Like you got to let us know. So like maybe it's a situation where like you just can't see it. Yeah. Like someone else needs to see it and, and point that out, you know? No, that's a, yeah, that's a good observation for sure. So then let me ask you this, man. Where are the numbers going? What are you looking at? And, and what are you ripping apart right now? And, and how, I mean, you're, you're, you're probably about shoulder deep and was, are you in Python still or are you? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh Python and R are probably the two I'm, I'm again, I'm probably a little bit more proficient and look, I'm a, I am an infant, uh, in both languages compared to real data scientists and, you know, and other, other people that's, uh, has special has specialized in this field, but, you know, I, I'll, I'll take it back a little bit in that, you know, I, it's, I, I don't want to like necessarily be pigeoned as like, oh man, this number guy, but like, you know, I've been transparent with you and with everybody that like, there's some respects that numbers are objective and there's something that like resonates with me about knowing and having data to support what we do, right? Because I, I'm trying to think of like the the expression that I heard, but like so often I think sometimes in sport, um, you know, the, the person that's more central, they, they call it the hippo analogy and I forget where I'm going to steal this, but the highest paid person's opinion usually wins, right? Uh, hip, the, the hippo in the room will end up taking charge of things. And like, that's not, by any means, the the best analogy, and that's not the best situation to be in. But like, ultimately, when you can come to a conversation with objective facts, these are the numbers, this is the facts surrounding this, it takes that subjectivity and that, that opinion aspect away from the conversation. So I think very early in my career, I had 
you know, a, a point where I felt like we were doing, a, and the numbers would show, the data would show that we were objectively doing what we needed to do, at least from a, a preparatory standpoint. But like, and you could also, like, I think as later in my, my career now, you could be like, well, maybe, maybe there is that sports specialization aspect. Like if we're not contributing to wins, losses or, or skill acquisition, then perhaps we're part of the problem. I think back then I was like, but that's not our role or responsibility. Our, resp our role is to help prepare them for the sport, to hand them off. So skill acquisition from those educators could then take hold and they could teach how to fundamentally execute the tactical, technical aspects of the sport. And that's where I felt like in the supply chain was lacking, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that began my sort of fascination with, with going down this rabbit hole of like, well, I want to make sure that, you know, if I want to prove efficacy of my profession, of what I do for the student athlete, then let's make sure that we have measurables that's valid and repeatable and, and objective. And, and let's make sure that we can sit down and have a conversation surrounding facts, not just opinions, you know, like I'm, I'm cool. Like if you want to want to have a conversation, we want to rap about, you know, what do you think about that? What do I think about this opinions? Cool. But if we're going to get down to evaluating successes and failures of a program, pitfalls and, and the performance, then let's make sure we're backing that up with something that's, that's objective, that's factual and not opinion based. So that started, you know, databasing in, in Excel and then uh, Microsoft Access and then, uh, you know, these spreadsheets bloated to, you know, thousands of, of, uh, of different rows. And then we started looking at like, well, how do I take other information and combine it and aggregate it so that we can start to have the conversations of like, when X is improving, right? Or when, when we have two different variables, how well are they correlating? What sort of regressions can we run off this? What trends do we see? Almost, I don't want to say predictive, but like as one thing continues to move in a direction, how does that influence another uh, variable? And ultimately to use this in a way that, that we can position our athletes in, in, in the best way to absorb and adapt to the stressors of the demands of the sport. So, you know, that's, that's where like, I, I remember very early on, like looking at, I don't necessarily think even 10 years ago, athlete management softwares were really much of a thing, right? I remember when Coach Me Plus was like, uh, I had a six month trial with, uh, with Coach Me Plus in the, in the beginning days, I had zero budget to be able to afford anything like that. But like that, there was some infancy of things like Fusionetics and, and Coach Me Plus and, and, and these platforms that were building out to help facilitate some of these things from a platform standpoint. Um, so, you know, like for me, I went in it and then I, these Excel documents ballooned and then it was like, oh, well, well you know, could, could I use SPSS? Could I use MATLAB to do some of these stats? Because now we got all these numbers, we got these different data streams, but how do we start to combine it and, and actually make something meaningful out of it? If it's just data and then it's, then you're just swimming in it and it's easy to get lost in, in it. But to actually change data and to transform it into information, into insight, where you can actually say, our evidence of what we've collected over the last two or three years seems to trend in this direction. So our then protocol or our then decisions that we'll make will support moving or doing supporting this particular action, right? So that's 
that's the part that I think we're still struggling with, like as a industry is like, it's easy to collect GPS, it's easy to collect, um, you know, well-being metrics, or it's easy to get volumes, intensities loading in the system. But then what are the decisions that we're making on it? And how do we then create systems to actually make those decisions easier? Um, rather than just looking at a spreadsheet and say, oh, we did too much or, oh, we did too little. Okay, next Tuesday, when we do the same Tuesday practice, right, like our intensity day, or maybe it's our install day after an off day, then we need to go down or we need to reduce volumes. Well, how do we do that, right? Like, do we, do we give them more uh, rest to work ratios? Do we uh, expand the session out so it's less dense, so there's less intensities? Do we change and go small sided games? Do it like, those are the, the actual decisions that I'm more fascinated by, not necessarily just the data. It's like, you gotta have, you gotta start somewhere and you gotta have some objective facts, but then like, cool, let's, let's start making decisions based on that. Let's start setting up systems to support that. So now every day when we go into it, we're not having to think about like, oh man, like this is what I need to do. We can look at it and be like, okay, is our system working? Yes, no. What adaptations do we need to make to the system to make sure that we're staying within the ranges of what we need to do? So uh, again, like I, that's, so that's like a little of the numbers. Like mm -hmm. I think now the, the programming standpoint came from, we, we sort of had, we worked with a, a vendor um, that a lot of the times, like it would go into these, like these mainframe databases, right? These structures of where, how data is stored in a SQL database, right? This is really diverging away from strength conditioning talk at this point, but it would be stored in these. And then a lot of the times we would want to do some analysis off that. And it's like, well, how the hell do we get this out of the system? Right. So they're like, well, you can export it in a CSV. I'm like, well, damn it. That's we're, we're paying you guys to like to host this in essentially a SQL database. Like we should have access to it. And that's where, you know, like to have SQL access to the actual raw data within the database that allows us to then pull it into R or pull it into Python and start to actually run some of the visualizations that we couldn't do natively in the platform itself or some of the statistical analysis that we wanted to run as well. So that's like, you know, I think that's where I got to a point where I'm like, okay, the system is no longer matching our needs. So therefore let's try to upskill our practitioner or programming capabilities so that we can still answer the questions that we need to answer um, for the coaches or administration when they're saying, you know, like, well, it looks like, you know, looks like these injuries are happening or it looks like, why are these workloads in these particular ways or why are well-being metrics looking like they're really sore on Wednesdays or why are Nordboard numbers down or why are force plate? Like those are the questions where it's like, I don't want to stand in front of a coach and be like, well, I don't know, you know, like maybe we went too hard or maybe we didn't do enough. Like I want to be able as a coach to have some answers to saying, you know, like I, I can give you an opinion coach if that's what you want or I can give you facts. I'm more than willing to give you both, but you know, I, I don't want, if you want opinions, let's give opinions. If you want facts, here you go. These are what the numbers are showing. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the, the part that's hard with looking at it over a multi-year trend, right? Yeah. Is that each team is different. Yeah. 
and that each athlete now their role in the team can be exceptionally different so now it's like people like to talk about how like it takes a couple of years to understand like how practice goes and this that yeah. and the other thing and i think that how much how many things changed for our team this year mm -hmm. um and not just in practice but success wise also i think it would make it really hard to to quantify things in that sense i, I think too i couldn't agree more when you're talking about like basically figuring out what really matters yeah right and i love that analogy of like the hippo in the room because as much as we hate the fact of the matter is simply this it might not be what we think is best anyway because yeah. we're not the big hippo like we're not like i don't know how far down like the jungle book ladder we would be <laughs> uh, but like we're we're not you know we're, we're not near the top so like you can have ideas and you could and you could do things that are awesome and you could have things set up that are great but like even the numbers that you're using to validate what you're doing if the coach doesn't care that those numbers go up no mm -hmm. matter what you think is important it doesn't really matter so then it, i guess that it comes down to understanding like what your performance team is about and how you yeah. can fit better with your sports med guy like there's a there's a webinar Monday that and so hopefully I can record this. So this will be it'll be like it would have been six weeks ago or seven weeks ago when I post this. But there's a webinar Monday where, where someone was talking about force plate data and what they looked at in their studies, and it, it's one company is putting it on. So like my initial response to him was it's a sales pitch. Like I can tell you the good, bad, and indifferent about that. You know, right now like why people like it, why people should probably be a little more worrisome of it. Yeah. Like, but if we sit there for an hour, maybe we can have a better way of understanding what we're looking at and how we can use it better. And yeah. I was like, shit, got me. Like, yeah. all right, I'll go. I mean, by go, I mean, I'll open my MacBook and yeah, I'll hit right. the button and I'll sit here in the same stool that I'm sitting in the rest of the day, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But like being driven to ask better questions, to find better answers, like Charlie talked about, like you gotta be able to ask the questions you didn't know you had uh, mm -hmm. to find the answers you didn't know you need. And I think that like, you need to have numbers, yes, but you also need to understand that numbers are like N of one and date of one specific too. Very true. You know, so it's like, that I think is the part, cause it's cool. Like people love to talk about like predictive models, right? And that's mm -hmm. one of the things that they're gonna talk about is like certain numbers show up and correlate to knee injuries and blah, blah, blah. Um, to which I've already got like eight questions. Be like, okay, but, 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 you know, like, like how can you use software to determine whether or not like a kinematic motion is coming from something that's measuring kinetics, right? Like sure. you can't yeah. tell me that an, unless there's some form of like foot 
pressure mapping. You can't tell me that they're valgusing or not when they land, mm -hmm. or you can't really tell me what part of the foot they land on, or like you can kind of get into some stiffness stuff. But yeah. the other thing, like how does height displacement and things of that, when it, we're talking like my 5'10-ish point guard yeah. and my 6'11 monster of a center, like how do limb lengths pick, you know, change into that? Like if you're telling me it's just the, I put the hypotenuse of the triangle, well, I say bullshit because yeah. it's not a triangle. It's a, it's a 3D pyramid because your leg goes like that and it can go like that or like that. So is it going, you know, what's the true direction of it? So I think too, like we, what we, and, and I keep telling myself this because I'm, I'm the worst at this, bro. I'm the worst at this. Like, like Don's cough says, like point in the thumb. What we want is we want to run some test and for it to be like, go do this and everything's going to be okay. Yeah. It work like that. It just doesn't happen. Like it sucks. But you know what? You're dealing with people, man. And like, they're, we're all weird. We're all complex different. systems. Yeah. yeah. It's not as easy as just do this and everything's going to be okay. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. And it so, sucks. Like that yeah. sucks. Cause you know what? There's people that are like us that are like, Nope, I'm going to figure it out. And it's like, yeah. get close. And then all of a sudden, like there's something that happens that makes you turn around like Chris Tucker and rush hour. Right. You're like, which one of y'all just kicked me? Cause you don't know <laughs> like, what you stand at anymore. Yeah. And so is it that, this person's the outlier or is it that like all the work I do is just bullshit and I suck, you know? And then it's like, well, I gotta start over when really you might've been right or you might've found the answer or the answer is it could be either of them. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a couple things that bridge off top of that. So in that upstream book, they talk about that. If you are only driven by numbers, if your incentive is to improve a number, Right. What they've found historically is that that becomes a, a big driver force. Right. So like if if I'm going to be incentivized by making sure that our for our peak power is up or Nordboard numbers are up, then I'm going to be doing things to try to influence just solely that right at the at the expense potentially of the quality aspect of it. Right. So holding that thought aside and then combining that with um, essentially like thinking about that it just makes me it, it makes me think that like I'm trying to think of where I, i'm losing my train of thought here because i was like two books that I've, I've read in the past um but like oh astro ball so that's another great one where they they went and there was like the their data analytics team was like no there's a better way like forget what your scouts are saying and follow the numbers, right? And then these old school scouts on the other side was like, like, oh man, this is a, this is a, a utility guy. Like he has all the tools to be successful. And so what the Houston Astros did before stealing signs and, and um, that is that <laughs> blatantly cheating is that they said, look, this analytics team, they, they, they actually have some power to it, right? This is uh, let's, let's use some of the qualities that make them successful. But let's not discount what the scouts have done and they've trained their eye over the 30 years of being a professional scout. Let's marry the two 
and actually combine the subjective and the objective together into an algorithm that allows us to to take the best of both of these so that's where you know when you're like yeah man like like we all want this like way of saying like well the computer is telling us x so we got to do y like we must do y that's the that's this false like security that we have for where we can be like well it wasn't our fault the computer told us to do this they they, they told us the protocol we just followed the fifa 11 and they they said that or whatever it might be right but i think the human humans and, and bodies are so elegantly complex that that sort of linear like connection between the two doesn't exist so then it makes me start to think of like the, we as a coach as a practitioner one i don't think we'll ever be replaced by a computer or by an algorithm or by you know a, a system that's going to tell us what to do because ultimately we still have to like there's i look at us we're like the scouts there's computers that might be more like the data analytics team and it's like we still need to combine this in some rational way of saying like man okay when they jump on the force play their peak power is this, or their RSI is this, or when they're doing their eccentric braking, it's, it looks like this. And then when we do the motion capture, or, or you know, if you want to do FMS, or you're using Fusionetics, or you're using some type of system that's looking at sort of the qualities of their movement patterns, you're like, oh, that looks off, okay? Now I've got those two ideas that I'm holding. And then when I watch them squat, Okay, that's, you know, they, their femur length's about as long as my entire body. Okay, cool. You know, and now at some way we need to start to formulate all of these ideas in our head of saying like, yeah, it's not like we, we can't just expect that the FMS tells us to do this or that um, or this motion capture system or Dari tells us to do that or the force plate says their peak power is down or their Sparta is down. So you know, we need to improve their load, explode or drive or what, like, it's just way too elegantly complex, which is fascinating, which is also great job security, I think, for us, because you can't replace us with a computer system that just says, ah, oh, well, you know, instead of hiring Jay, like, we're just gonna, we just bought this $20,000 computer software that just tells us how to predictively train. Um, but like, yeah, I, I, it, I think it's a false insurance security policy to think that we can just well you know this is what their dari vulnerability score is i'll probably be sued um <laughs> but like no like I, I just ultimately think it's a fallacy to believe that we can just keep things so predictively uh uh you know i guess derived that it would ever remove a coach from saying that doesn't look right or these are my opinions despite the numbers i think it has to be a combination like like astro ball it needs to be a combination of what we see as a practitioner or multiple a team of practitioners and then also what the numbers say to say okay cool but ultimately who owns that final decision before we pull the trigger and say yes no this is something like i really began fascinated with this you know like as i started down this rabbit hole of numbers and analytics and and sports science is like dave tenney used to say like well who ultimately makes the final decision like who owns that decision like and how do we come to that decision making process so if it is like you know like a team of teams where it's like look man i don't i don't care about who makes that decision but like ultimately as a team like if we're focused on winning we're focused on improving athletes 
you know, like I, I you know, that's fine. Like I just want to win. Uh, like I've, I've watched, watched many like uh, Charlie uh, webinars. It's like, hey man, it's a, it's not, it's not about ultimately who, who gets the credit. It's about winning and positioning these guys in a way of winning. And it's like, and then to contrast that with like Dave's, it's like, well, if we're going to be judged or evaluated on the decisions that we make as practitioners, then who ultimately gets to say no? Like, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this. Or, you know, I mean, is it a team approach? Is it a, a a boardroom approach? But somebody ultimately is going to sit at the head of the boardroom, or unless it's a majority vote, like, I, 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 nay, like, okay, cool. Like, I'm I'm fine with that too. But I think we need to have a conversation surrounding the way that we integrate the objective and the subjective and then ultimately the decision-making capabilities around or otherwise it's like you know it might be nine rogue actors that are just all making decisions mm -hmm. with no team collaborative approach to how those decisions a positively affect each other through synergy or negatively affect each other through accumulation of too much workloads or contrasting um bio biological factors I think the person in the performance realm and people probably get pissed when I say this, that needs to be the one that makes that final decision is a sports medicine person, you know, yeah. like, because here's the thing, dude, like above and beyond all of it, right? Like, especially right now when people, some people have time, I'm still drowning in my kitchen with work, but like at the end of the day, mistakes and issues come back on them and they've got to handle yeah. it at the end. So like, if you need to pull back on some things and make some changes, so that this person doesn't have to deal with X, Y, or Z for the next six or eight weeks, and then the kid's more able to play or practice or whatever. Um, I think that that's the right way to do it. Now, I know there's people that are like, they're too conservative, they're this, they're that, they're the other. that's fine. Well, you have to be able, one, to express what your opinion is, and B, show why you have that opinion, right? Like. There's, there's what? There's, there's three types of lies, right? There's white lies, there's lies and statistics. Like, we can sit here and, and, and throw numbers and talk about things, but, like, at the end of the day, like, the, the health and well-being is always going to be number one. Yeah. And I'm definitely, like, the performance guy, right? I mean, like, damn, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. Yes is, you know, through and through, but it's, at the same time, dude, like, if you can't sit down and talk with sports med prac and, and, literally take a step back and listen and be like, all right, I'm diverging to this. Then I don't know what to tell you. Sounds like the little ones are ready to go outside and play, man. They are, they have invaded, they have invaded the, uh, the patio space. Nah, dude, well listen, but man, these guys, this has been a rad hour. No. This has been a rad hour. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate jumping on. Yeah, man, it's always great to see you. I appreciate always you catching up with you and, and, uh, and sort of getting to think about how other people think and, and having some conversations. This has been the, I think, you know, outside of, you know, people that are balancing families and having a little bit more home life, restoring that harmony or that balance, or, you know, there's, there's a number of like influential coaches in my life. That's, that's you, whether it's distant, whether they know it or not, but people talk about like work-life balance and they talk about like, it's never going to be a balance. Like I'm always going to prioritize home life. And I love that, but like for those that have struggled with professional demands and home life demands and family demands and being a great friend 
or being a great brother, your things like that, or father or mother or whatever it might be that like the silver lining in some of this is like, boy, this is really making us pause and reflect about, at least for me, like pause and reflect about like areas where I can get better in other avenues. And it's not always sitting in front of a computer, always being in front of an, front of an athlete or on the weight room floor. It's like, how do I help these little guys continue to develop and, and teach them how to add and subtract and write and, and do their things. And it's like, it's been a really rewarding time. And also like, it's challenging because I'm disrupting their routine by being home more often. I found I'm, I'm probably more disruptive, uh, but it's also makes me pause and reflect about like, man, you know, like, I, I just remember like, I, I said like, oh, I'm really struggling to, to disconnect. And like, this is a forced disconnection. And then I'm also trying to balance, like, as I think you are a, a prime example of like always wanting to try to get better and wanting to improve and, and work ahead and do things that will position us to be, I don't know, successful or better off. And it's like, maybe I'm my own worst enemy. You know, like maybe I need what, what will help me be better is to, to disconnect and really reconnect with other people around me, like you. <laughs> and, uh, and I think, you know, that, that might be the way that fuels and empowers us to move forward. So like, this is as much as like, I love being in front of the 30 athletes that I, I serve, like, I also love to, I love to be home and I'm reconnecting with some of these guys more often. And, and really try to restore that balance and, and maybe tilt it in the opposite direction um, and, and really make make the most of this opportunity. Go do it, brother. Great to see you. Yeah, yeah likewise. Awesome likewise, man. Cheers. See ya. Later. And a huge thanks to Adam Ringler for spending the time with us today. Guys, open, honest, candid sharing. And, and I never talk to Adam and don't walk away without saying, wow. And asking myself questions about things that we're doing and ways we can be better. And this talk was no different. Adam, I can't thank you enough for all you've done to support us and support the entire profession of strength and conditioning to help us all become better. Your open, honest, and candid sharing are so, so appreciated, my man. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work down there in Boulder. We truly appreciate it. And as always, guys, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. As always, we're just trying to get the best information out there to all the great coaches that we can. And as always, guys, thank you for everything you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.